Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan C.S., the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James C.S., the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> what up, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Hump Day. Hernancy is here, host of the Business Bros podcast, along with my co-host, the insurance bro, James Sias. And today we have an awesome guest, an exciting guest, someone who's going to tell us all kinds of really cool stuff. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you are not tuned in, turn it up because we got a great show on on Wednesday. Par? On Wednesday? Whatever. On Wednesday? It's coming today. All right. It's coming in like two seconds. All right. Today's guest is actually in his natural habitat, which obviously I'm not. But uh, in his natural habitat right here with the Business Bros, a former radio show host, published author, and now helping you and your clients ke- clean up your credit through San Diego, San Diego Credit Solutions. Man, that's... Mouthful today? What's mouthful up? today. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> anyway... Please, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Frank Criticos. What's going on, guys? How you doing, bros? What up? <laughs> What's up? It's funny. Thanks for joining us, man. It, uh, when you have radio, like you get the little cuts, right? And edits, mm-hmm. like, take that, cut it. Right, right, yeah. When yeah. we do it, there's the dump, no edits. The dump, you know, yeah, the little dump button. button. That yeah. messed up. Do it again. Nope, yeah. do it again. No, we don't get none of that. We, nah. we just, we just, we're just raw. Like, if That's we mess right. up, That's we just right. keep going with it. Sorry, fumble. Keep going. That's Oops, it. my no. bad. No whistles. No whistle. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frank, uh, before we get into the credit stuff, because, you know, for a lot of people, it might not be the most interesting topic, mm-hmm. but it's really essential topic. So, well, one thing's for sure. Anybody who's a real estate agent out here, mortgage lender, anything like that, and their clients need help, this is the guy exactly. that's going to help them with it. Because you got, you got, we, we have a ton of people who are always in a position where I want to buy. I'm just not there yet you run their credit and they're like oh got a problem yeah. and then that's about the extent of it fixing these issues becomes a whole other can of worms who do i talk to where do i go mm-hmm. what do i who can i bureau? trust who do i trust it's a whole nother thing yeah. right? you know and so before we get to all those things because i got a list of questions by the way ladies and gentlemen he provided them for me they're awesome so uh i want to i want to get to those but be- but before we do that tell me a little bit about who frank is like how did you get into this industry it's very, very interesting. This was not planned, believe me when I tell you. So uh, I moved to San Diego in 2001, always had an interest in real estate, wanted to figure out how I can get my foot in that area. Now, I have a, uh, a law enforcement background. I actually, I was with the NYPD for, for a few years, and then I, I left there, came here. So I had that in my back pocket. I knew that I could you know, go back to law, to enforcement, law enforcement, not here. Uh, but I just wanted to see if I can get my foot in real estate because I was just interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did was I purchased my first home actually down in Eastlake in 2002, became friends with my lender. So what happened was uh, I was learning through him and he was teaching me, hey, this is how it works. I was just, I was very interested. So I stayed in his office for, I'm not exaggerating, almost 12 hours a day for about six months because he told me, hey, I think you'd be good at 
originating loans. And I said, I don't know. I'm not a sales guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just totally out of my comfort zone. But I was interested in real estate. So uh, that's how this whole thing began. Uh, he was basically my, my mentor. And he would give me credit reports of people that did not qualify. Now, even before the boom, he was really busy. Yeah. So he was helping me out. You know what, Frank? If you could figure something out and you can get him in a position so I, I can get him qualified or you can get him qualified, then it's your deal. Now, at the time, I didn't have any relationships. I didn't know any agents. No, I didn't know anybody. So this is perfect for yeah. you. You're essentially like, okay, so if I solve this problem, I get paid. Exactly. So I had time and I had interest. I had no knowledge of it, <laughs> uh, which was interesting. So, but I had the opportunity to, I had all these test cases, hundreds, maybe even thousands, but I don't know, hundreds for sure. So that's how this whole thing started. I went online, started doing research, which was actually the biggest mistake I made, but you know, it's easy to say that now. Um, Is it because you got like false information? Oh yeah, or? false information, old information, misleading information. It's really eye-opening. Because we're talking 2003, so it's not yep. like their you know internet is in full boom. It's not like YouTube is in full flesh yet. Right. I mean, just, we're probably still on MySpace at the time, yep. right? I mean, it's it's a different era. 2002 to buy was a great year, by the way. Yeah, because yeah. you're right about to take off right. on a rocket ship, right? right. So well, we, I didn't know that though. Yeah, so, no, you yeah. didn't know that at the time. So it was it was it was a perfect perfect scenario so um i had a lot of time to just figure it out and make mistakes so what i would do is i would call his clients introduce myself to him and say hey you know my name is frank and do you mind if i try some things with your credit see if we can get get you all squared away i'm not going to charge you anything and of course everybody says you know heck yeah, yeah help me fix <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah heck exactly yeah. you're not going to charge me um and that's what i did and i hit one roadblock after another i stumbled many many times and i quickly realized that this whole thing about getting things deleted come on it's not it's not, it's not happening all the time it's very inconsistent so i did that for three years straight did you eventually get things deleted did you find a way to do that or was um, it like a yes now, now i'm yes curious no. in that aspect of it yeah. yes yes and no so what i realized quickly is that it's not about getting things and i tell people this to this day it's not about getting things deleted you don't have to get things deleted which is good because it's not going to happen all the time anyway. Mm -hmm. So anything you see online where they say, you know, oh, get all these, you know, charge off lates and collections and remove judgments, bankruptcies. It's, you know, I won't go as far as saying it's a scam. But it's a because it switch. Is, it is true that anything can be deleted from a credit report. That is true. Where credit repair companies get in trouble is they make it seem like it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And then they make it seem like it happens across three bureaus. So you either hit a home run or you strike out, meaning that if you get it deleted from TransUnion Experian, but not Equifax, that's, you're, that's a strikeout because when a, uh, a lender pulls a report, it's going to show up. Yeah. So all these things I didn't know that I was figuring out, navigating my way, hitting one roadblock after another for three years. Then fast forward to 2005, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started getting all these phone calls. Hey, I heard you helped my brother, sister, aunt, uncle, blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of when the light bulb went off. I was like, oh, maybe I have something here. Uh -huh. So, uh, but I didn't officially start my company until 07. When things really got busy. Busy in both ways. You know, uh, it was it was really busy, but then it was the beginning of 
Yeah. yeah. A big apocalypse. Yeah. Which basically, you know, I mean, this is one of those things where you, people really look down on those types of recessions, those types of mm-hmm. uh, markets that were in that we were in at the time. But in all reality, in in those downturns, there's an opportunity. Like the fact that everyone had credit issues, like we still needed a place to live. We That's still right. needed to be able to buy something. We still needed to sell. We still needed to, you know, file for bankruptcy. Whatever it was, like all those things were still happening, but we had to fix it. You happened to spend the last three years prior to that getting ready to take on the wave. Without knowing it. Without knowing it. You know, I would love to say it was all planned, but it was not planned whatsoever. I was just shooting from the hip and I, I was just, I was determined to learn the industry because I had an interest in it. Mm-hmm. Now I have, I still have an interest in law enforcement, but I knew I had that in my back pocket. I knew with my resume, you know, coming from the NYPD, I knew that I can go anywhere pretty much. Uh, so I, so I had that in the kitty, you know, which was, which was good. Uh, but this is really what I, and I was challenged by it, you know, because I kept on hitting all these roadblocks. Because you were kind of developing your own way, essentially, yep. right? Like, you yeah. didn't know what you didn't know exactly. until you just went for it. Exactly. Yeah. So it was it was, it was, was some ride. And then, you know, so I was doing loans at that time. Everything's good. Everything's great. And I still remember, this is kind of funny, but I still remember the bank and where I was when I read um, a guideline in which this one particular bank stopped offering a certain product. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then two weeks later, it was another bank. And then that was the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. So um, so it kind of worked out well for me. But my point is, is that it just took a long time to figure out all the algorithms. So the, the real trick, people always ask me, what's, what's the what's trick? What's the secret? What's the secret? Yeah, do it for three years. There's your secret. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not about getting things deleted. It's about understanding the algorithms of FICO. And that's not something that you could just go and pull up on the internet. I mean, it's very scientific, very in-depth. There's only a handful of people in the world that know the actual formulas. I'm not one of them. But I've learned it by trial and error. Mm. So I, I already know what's going to happen, which is fun. Um, but, you know, we still have to go through the process. So that's why I always tell people it's not a question of if it's more like it's more like when. So let me ask you this, because, you know, 2007 was one of those times where uh, things came like out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming, supposedly. Right. right? It, it just hit everybody. I think everybody knew as far as real estate that this that the cycle was turning. We just didn't really know how bad it was going right. to be. Right? right. You knew you were going to get, you know, tapped in the face. You didn't know you were going to get punched and so and so that's what made it a little bit different we're coming up on a market cycle just statistically speaking over Mm -hmm. years like are you seeing any parallels between you know 2005 2006 2007 that might you know give a little hint as to things like you saw products start to disappear you start to see products maybe change shift disappear right right now you know the difference is that i'm not in the loan business anymore so i had to let my license expire it started to become a conflict of interest because i get so much of our business from lenders Mm -hmm. so it was you know yeah yeah you're gonna steal the deal yeah exactly (laughs) so and which is fine i mean i enjoy what i do uh but so so i'm not in it as much as the everyday lender but i still have a good idea of just based on patterns and trends um i don't know i can't say that i see anything that's happening now the only thing that gets me nervous is that when i'm working on a file and i know this person wants to purchase a house and 
things are really tight financially to mm-hmm. where they can probably qualify, but all it takes is a small hiccup. All it takes is a couple of checks not coming in and you're Boom. in default. Yeah. You know, so, but I, I don't know if that's just a societal issue, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, does everybody, you know, does everybody pick live in large? Or, away from, yeah. Because uh, I remember disaster? when I, I remember when I first moved here, I was driving up the five and I'm thinking, my goodness. Where, where do these how does everybody get all this money <laughs> you know because at least coming from new york you know that you know manhattan everything is everybody drives into manhattan everybody leaves but out here it's all spread out and i said downtown san diego is not that big yeah you know and i was just very very curious you go to fashion valley mall and i remember thinking wow it's a tuesday afternoon and it's packed <laughs> what do these people do what do these people do you know <laughs> so uh that was my uh introduction to to living in southern california you know maxed out leveraged. you know it's funny because i always i always have that kind of mentality of people in new york i'm like i always think that that cost of living is much more expensive and that world is much you know like I, there's certain places in the country new york san francisco yeah. you know LA, that that have those that high income level and that's so what i wonder that a lot too i'm like what do you guys do for a living yeah, yeah. right oh yeah yeah we have to get to some questions all right so um being in the credit industry, you talk to a lot of different people. So you get a bunch of questions repetitively, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like a podcast. We have that segment that we call Ask the Bros. And the question we always tell people is, that you might not want to ask is, how would you start the podcast? Because everybody wants to know that question. Right. Now, you took a smarter approach and you actually wrote these questions down. <laughs> these are common <laughs> questions, right? right. The, uh, FAQs, essentially. So these are things that, that people ask you on a regular basis. Right. So I'm gonna ask you some of these, some of your own questions. Sure. So, so we can see, uh, you know, get some some cool answers. So, one that's near and dear to my heart is actually your number one question. Why is credit not taught in our school system? Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, especially because I do teach it, so it's part of my curriculum, gotcha. but it's very recent. It's more like why isn't it taught at all to to, to anybody? Yes. You know, and um, you know, I mean, you could speculate on a whole lot of reasons why, but in my opinion, the bottom line is this. If everybody's walking around with 740 plus scores and paying 0% on their cars and almost nothing on their mortgages and almost, you know, 0% on their credit cards for 18 months, you know, the banks really don't make money. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could draw your own conclusion. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very in-depth, it's a very in-depth set of algorithms and formulas that are designed um, to benefit the banks in a very easy way yeah i i 100 follow the money trail exactly right? that's and where you people know what? are getting and, getting and we could paid. probably lead into one of the questions that number number 20 the sweet spot and this kind of goes based on what i just said meaning the sweet spot between a, a 580 and 640 score the sweet spot for the banks mm-hmm. so so the reason why i wrote down this question is because what people don't realize, even if you have great credit, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I got 750 scores. I mean, that's great. But they don't realize that if you just make one little slip, let's say you go on vacation, you forget to make your credit card minimum payment of 10 bucks, and you get a 30-day late, 100 points right off the top. 100 points off Jeez. the top. So my point is, is that it's not difficult to get into that sweet spot. And that sweet spot, where the mon- that's where the money's made. For the bank. Yeah. So if you have, let's say, I don't know, 610 score, you can go get a car, yeah. but you're going to pay for it. You're 15, pay 18%. The... I've seen as high as 24%. Jeez, for the 
car, man. You know, and it's over one little slip up over a non-financial issue, meaning that anybody can make a minimum payment ten bucks. You just you just forgot you just you're forgot. on vacation. So that's crazy. Hundred points. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: like you have you have something on here on the ramifications of a short sale compared to a foreclosure, right? Mm-hmm. How bad? Like what what are the ramifications? Like a short sale? I mean, when you're looking at it from a real estate point of view, you always hear people say it's better that you short sale than if you foreclose, right? Well, it depends where your what your position is. If your position is as far as when you can get into another property, mm-hmm. that is true. However, from the credit side of things, anything So so this is very interesting. I'm going to list I'm going to list all these derogatories that fall into the same category. Okay, as in the worst category, a short sale, foreclosure, bankruptcy, collection, charge off and a 90 day late. So in other words, anything that is past 90 days falls into the same worst category. So when somebody talks about a short sale foreclosure, the damage has already been done. Once they hit that 90 day late before it was short sold or before it got foreclosed, it actually was already damaged. So. The foreclosure and the short sale helps because it's ending. It's it's a resolution, meaning the account gets zeroed it's out. It's done. It's, it's done. Over. There's so it no... stops following you. Right. But but once you hit a ninety day late, it doesn't matter if it's a collection charge off or um, it's all the same. It's all the worst category. Huh. The only thing that's different is that you know bankruptcy judgments are public records. You so, know. So most people think of a foreclosure as a home. But you can get foreclosed on something as simple as a timeshare. Yeah, that's right. True. Yeah, and does it affect you the same type of way? Will it? It, it it's not the um, it's not the event, so to speak. It's the late payment that leads up to whatever it is, the foreclosure, mm. the short sale. So it's all about the late payments. People don't realize how damaging a late payment is until I tell them a thousand times. Hey, listen, I apologize in advance to all my clients. Listen, you're gonna get annoyed. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> But just you cannot be late ever from here on out, ever, ever, ever. Okay, so and and another thing that's very frustrating is that there's the financial side of things and there's there's a credit side of things. Financially speaking, if you're late on a mortgage, a three thousand dollar mortgage versus a ten dollar minimum payment on a credit card, obviously the it, there's more to worry about if you're a bank. Yes. For the late payment on the mortgage. Yeah, but FICO, does, yeah, FICO, a thirty day late, it's a thirty day late. Doesn't matter if it's a. $10,000 mortgage payment or $10 minimum payment. A late is a late, and that's all that matters. That is so nuts. Yeah, so it's really not It's not weighted fair. the right way. Right, exactly. But, that's... you know, it, it helps um, It helps the banks, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, all right, so then I'm, I'm going to move on to number five. So, short sale might have saved me, foreclosure might have saved me, but if I'm in, like, desperate need and I'm going to end up filing for bankruptcy, what, how, does, how does that affect my credit? Well, usually when somebody's in that position they've already went delinquent so again Mm. the damage has been done a bankruptcy believe it or not can actually help your credit and the reason why is because it's a resolution so it zeroes out the accounts the late stop following you because remember as as you're late every single month you know it keeps on following you you can't get away from those late payments and and fico is mostly based on the last 24 months so whatever's most recent has the most impact whether that's good make your payments on time or bad so a bankruptcy at least stops the bleeding and it zeros all the accounts out all the late payments stop following us and now you can start to recover so i'm very pro 
bankruptcy for certain situations. Um, I really am. And, and it's a hard conversation sometimes when somebody says, listen, I have $80,000 in debt. I make $70,000 a year. Ouch. You know, I, I almost, I, I don't know if it's professional or unprofessional, but I can't help it. But I will tell them, hey, listen, you know, I mean, the likelihood of you actually paying that off is very, very slim. Yeah. If you could, if you can um, be approved and qualify for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy where everything gets wiped out, I tell you, I would consider it. It's not the end of the world. You could purchase a home, you know, two years down the road. Big deal. I mean, think about it. Two, all you have to do is wait two years. You could buy a house. That's not a bad deal. Um, I can get you back in the 700s, you know, 24 months after a bankruptcy. Not a big deal. The only time it's a serious issue is if you have certain licenses. Your series license could be an issue. Yeah. Because um, you can't be a fiduciary if right. you're not financially responsible. Right. And and you can still do it. It's just you're, you're going to have to disclose it. Mm. Um, also, any top secret clearances within the military, you're going to have to notify them because you get a background check, I think, uh, what, every five or ten years. I get those phone calls all the time. People are in a panic. You know, I have a secret clearance yeah. or security clearance. Uh, my background investigation is coming up. <laughs> if I lose my clearance, I lose my job. Yeah, that's, that's, a, big that's a big one. Well, you know, talking about people acquiring that that kind of debt, fixing their credit for, you know, two years down the road, whatever, I can't help but wonder, you know, some people getting these massive debts because of something that was unforeseeable, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, uh, they have medical or some sort of thing like that. But I wonder, in your experience, how many people are you seeing that it's just, you know, they never knew it better or they had bad money habits and to wipe the slate clean and then put them in a position where they have a good credit score again. Isn't that partially like sitting down and getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, their own personal finance and saying, okay, let's put a plan, let's stick to the plan and let's get to that point. Sure. Of course. I mean, I, I will tell you this. I learned many years ago, never to judge. I hate to say it, but I think a lot of people just assume the lower social economically, you know, type of person, whatever is the one that has bad credit. And the person that makes a lot of money has good credit. That's not true. That's not true. Yeah. That's so not true. I, I have clients that everybody has heard of clients that make millions and millions of dollars per year. Same situation. Somebody loses in 2008, somebody loses $200,000 house. You just add another zero. It's all relative. That's funny. It, you say it that. really is. I, 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 that's, that's my favorite thing about what I do is that I don't really have a demographic. I get phone calls from, the struggling mom, single mom, that's literally, you know, food, rent. Everybody says that, but yeah. literally it is food and rent and clothes for the kids. And then on the other extreme, I have people that, you know, you've heard of that make, you know, these ball players and all that stuff that make plenty of money. So, um, and everybody in between. Yeah. So, yeah. well, so. I, I've had a similar experience. So, um, my back, you know, I have a background in taxes. When I started doing taxes, it was really eye opening to sit down with somebody and, you know, see how much they're earning per year. Mm -hmm. But then sitting down and talking to them, realizing that there's people who make, you know, $30,000 a, a year living paycheck to paycheck and people making a quarter million a year living paycheck to paycheck. It's mm -hmm. just their life looks different, yep. but they're just as broke at the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the Amer the American way, I guess. It yeah, is, it yeah. is. But yeah, that's that's good. I mean, it's not it's not uh, you know, you're not just because you don't make a lot of money doesn't make you any smarter or right. any less in, in credit. I love that. Yeah. But can an attorney get better results? 
I, I teach a lot of attorneys how this stuff works. So I'll just say that. I will say that um, attorneys will usually get involved when somebody has served the summons. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I don't pay my Bank of America credit card. They sue me. They serve you a summons. It's not a fun experience because it's court paperwork. Um, I will tell you that attorneys, I, let me tell you, let me say it this way. Bank of America doesn't get intimidated by Joe, the attorney in San Diego. Bank of, of America not. has their own groups of attorneys. Okay. So I think a lot of people assume it's more of the intimidation factor and it's not, it's all about the money and it's all about something else that I learned, um, as well, which is, it's all about relationships. So I have three negotiators on staff. We're a four man show. That's all. I don't have any desire of growing this huge company. Myself, three negotiators. And not everybody has, I mean, I should say that there's not that many banks out there. Everybody has Bank of America, City Chase, Capital One, uh, you know, Amex, Discover, Wells Fargo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everybody has those banks. So there's really not that many, a dozen or so. Same thing with collection agencies. So the attorneys, um, you know, sometimes they feel like they can get a better deal. I think it's, it's really good for marketing their services which is good but it's all about the relationship and the reason why is because i'll give an example progressive management um they're a big big player when it comes to medical collections and we're on the phone with them i don't want to say every day that's exaggerating but certainly at least three days a week so we have our own rep over there we deal with the same person they like us because we're bringing money to them that they have not been able to collect yes now we don't want to give them too much money but i've learned in this business you have to you have to give them a little something to make them go away. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the ways that we are different. So I will tell your audience if, you know, hopefully you call us, but if you don't and you're trying to see if a credit repair company is a real deal, you have to provide two services. The credit side, that's my thing. I understand FICO. I understand it really, really well. Um, but you also have to be able to resolve past due accounts. So debt and FICO. You have to, those two have to be combined in order to get somebody really good results 100% of the time. Now, you touched on something right there. The difference between charging off a debt and negotiating a debt. Like, it's almost like a when when you are delinquenting your tax returns, right? Mm -hmm. It's you, The IRS is not going to say, oh, it's okay, I forgive you. Sometimes, maybe it's possible. But oftentimes, you're going to have an offer and compromise. Mm -hmm. You're going to come in and say, look, I can't pay you $10,000. I don't have $10,000. Um, I have 3000 If I pay you the 3000 now, can we square our deal? Right. And oftentimes they know that based on your income, based on where you're at, you're, it's either I'm going to get the 10 grand or I'm, you're going to stiff me. I'm going to get nothing. Right. Right. And so how does that help in, in the whole overall process? Like if somebody's coming at you and they have, you know, 10 credit cards, like how does that, how does the negotiation process help to, you know, how do you choose between paying one, paying the other? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um, most of the time, depending on the size of, of all the debts, we just resolve one account at a time. Mm -hmm. So uh, most so, so there's two industries. There's credit repair and then debt settlement. And I have an issue with both of those industries by themselves. I have an issue with credit repair because it's, it's misleading as far as getting things deleted, which is not going to happen. And even if something does get deleted and it's not resolved, it'll just get sold to the next collection agency and guess what? Pop up, brand Boom. new collection while somebody's in escrow. Ask me how I know that. <laughs> so um, so believe me, I'll, everything I've learned is by going through it and having to, to figure it out. 
uh, on the other hand, you have debt settlement companies. They charge a ridiculous amount of people, amount of money and fees. Um, it's, and, and then they don't do anything for your credit. So I realized that back in the day, going back to 2005 ish, uh, because I actually got lucky with somebody and his scores were 702. I remember because it was the first time he was ever over 700. Super thankful. I got a whole bunch of things deleted, but he says to me, um, you know, thank you very much. I didn't charge him anything, but I still can't get what I want, which is a home for the family. And the reason why is because there was one. DTI is too high. Well, no, that's a lending thing. But as far as his credit, there was one collection that we could not get deleted. And that was preventing him from getting an underwritten approval. Mm. So that's when I thought to myself, oh, man, now I have to learn the entire debt business, which I was not excited to do because <laughs> that's a you whole. You weren't excited to get into either of them. Yeah, because <laughs> that's a whole different animal. That's a whole different animal. But I knew that that was the last piece of the puzzle to get him the house. Because remember, I'm a lender, so I have to be 100%. Yes. 100%. You only get paid when you close. Yeah. Yeah. And and the lender that's sending me the, the client, I mean. Nowadays. They want to get paid. Yeah. You know, or the agent, they want to get paid. So, um, so yeah, I kind of went off course there, but, um, but yeah. No, that's, that's, but that it's, it's a little bit off course, but it's exactly the reason why you have to do these things is exactly the, the important aspect of, of the the entire business. It's the reason why you're not just credit repair and you're not just debt, debt, uh, consolidation. It's, it's both. They're important. They have to be combined. So that, that's what I was saying. If somebody's looking into hiring one of these companies, just make sure they do both. They handle both. Just make sure they do both. And that's your, that's going to be your best bet, which is very rare, but you know, I'm, I know that we're not the only company out there. I think locally we are, but um, on a national level, I'm sure there's other companies out there that offer both services. So how about divorce, right? It's already ugly in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I know people who, you know, maybe one spouse is very financially responsible, uses all cash, doesn't acquire any debt, didn't have a clue that the spouse had been collecting you know, credit cards, credit cards, credit cards. Uh, they go to refinance the property and they pull credit and all of a sudden, boom, bombshell, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, if they're they're both on that account, they're both liable. So even in California, like uh, if she pulled all, 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 like if, if one of the spouses pulls all the cards. Doesn't matter if they're, if, if they are joint, they are jointly responsible for that account, mm-hmm. regardless of who spends it. That's why I don't uh, suggest doing that. But, but <laughs> no, let, I never do. But, but let me let me tell you the biggest issue that I have with um, with the system as far as individuals getting divorced. And of course, going back to 2008, this is very common. So so let's say a husband and wife own a property. They're going through a divorce, and let, let's just say the husband says, "All right, you can have the property." They're both on the loan, but you know what? We're getting a divorce. You can have it. So. She has the property and it's it's through the divorce decree. So it's it's the judge is saying to the husband, you have no liability. You do not owe anything on this property. You're off the hook, so to speak. All right. But then let's say she falls on rough times and she stops Defaults. making a payment, defaults, forecloses. It's still going to follow him. Damn. And I have a real issue with that because, um, because here, you're a judge. here you have a judge saying you are not liable for that property. But. And I looked into this for a long, long time. I had many attorneys involved, but it's all about when the note was originated. 
that mm. they were both on that note when it originated, that's how it started. So now uh, a lot of bankruptcy attorneys that I speak to, they actually now have to put that into into the divorce decree somehow to prevent that from happening. So that, so that, that would be something different, though. That would be it's still going to follow you. But now you have the means to go back and get it deleted, get it amended. Get well, it- I, I think usually what happens is that they'll try to refinance and get, in this example, the husband off the loan completely mm. to prevent that from happening if she were to default. Okay. okay. So that, that was very, very Because common. then the origination of the loan date exactly. is after the divorce decree. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But I mean, I just have an issue with that. I, I really do because we're talking about it's, 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 it's not just somebody saying, hey, you're, you're off the hook for the property. No, it's a judge and it's, and it's a legal, it's, it's a legality that I think is not fair. Now, I made this mistake uh, in the very first business that I ever had. So you can't totally see it, but I got the PC Cruisers license plate up mm-hmm. there. We had a computer repair company. And I was young. I was like I don't know, 21 years old, barely starting, know nothing about business. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those where you kind of learn just like you got false information. Mm-hmm. I didn't get false information. I just didn't quite understand it all. We incorporated to keep liability separate, um, got a business credit card. Uh, started uh, signing for stuff like uh, we used to do yellow pages. That's how old mm-hmm. I am, right? So we used to do like yellow pages, have marketing contracts, all that stuff. And I always understood it as my corporations doing it. What I didn't understand is I personally signed for a lot of this debt, right? So how does how do you how does having like a business credit card how does how does separating how does it help you to keep business separate from personal or when you make the mistake like I did, personally signing for this debt? Well, a lot of times you don't have a choice. In the beginning, you just have to, because you don't have any business history, you mm-hmm. have to personally guarantee it. Tough. You know, it's, just, it's just the way it is. Then you build a relationship with the creditor. And then once your company ages, I think the unwritten rule in banking is two years. Once it's two years old, then you can start getting credit. But, but now we're talking business credit, which is you know the same but different. It's like residential and commercial real estate. It's the same mm-hmm. but different. Um, but an, a, a nice little trick is... Um, if you have a business credit card and you personally guarantee it, it's not going to show on your credit report hmm. unless it's a Capital One business credit card. They are the only ones that report on our personal credit report. So let's say Amex because that's a, a popular one for business owners. Um, you could have a $100,000 Amex bill and you're personally guaranteeing it and it's just under your name and also the company name. And it, it could even be a sole prop. It doesn't have to be an LLC or an escort oh, really? or, or a corporation. It won't show on your credit report. So that's kind of a nice way to, to I hate to say it, but to hide money a little bit. Or mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now if you default on it, then it probably eventually will show up on your personal credit. But as long as everything is good to go, then, then, you're, then you're fine. That's interesting. But like I said, Capital One is the only business credit card that does report to our personal credit. And uh, here's something else that's very, very frustrating from my perspective that ties right into this. Let's say you have a, uh, a personal credit card that you use for your business, you know, just starting out. Let's say you max it out $10,000 every month, all business expenses, uh, and then you pay it off in full every single month. Okay. So you would think that zero balance, on it's your credit thing. report, everything looks good. However, the statement date, which is the, the due date on the bill, mm-hmm. on your actual credit card bill, if you pay it before then, 
the information has already been uploaded to the bureaus about two weeks prior. So you could be paying off your credit card in full every single month, and it's gonna show maxed out on your credit report, which as I assume most people know, and this is where I make the mistake of assuming, that if you max out a credit card, it could it could hurt you for 30, 40, 50 points, easy. What's a good sweet spot, 30%? So, well, hold on, that, that's different. So what you have to do in order to, to report a zero balance on every single month, because you're paying it off in full, you have to pay it off before the billing date, which is usually two weeks before the statement due date. So there's two different dates. Yes. So if you pay it off by the billing date, then it's a zero balance at, at American Express, for example. They upload the information to the bureaus and you're good to go. But there's that two-week gap. Now, I, I guarantee that's designed that way because when you max out a credit card, like you're, what you were alluding to right now, it doesn't go based on, do, on the dollar amount. It's all the percentage. So you could have a $500 limit credit card. If you have a family, you go to Costco, you're maxed out, Done. right? And that's going to hit you the same amount. So you better believe that that was designed specifically because it may only be a two-week gap to where that person was maybe getting 0% on their car, but now they're going to be bumped down to you know a lower tier and now they're going to have to pay 6% on the car. You know what is, what is it going to be a difference of 30 bucks a month times how many millions of people but see and, and this is one of those things where you know i use this analogy all the time um with with my students right i'm like look the first time you played monopoly for example you probably sucked at it because you didn't know the rules mm -hmm. once you learn the rules the second time you played you had a chance of winning this is one of those things like i'm learning this right now for the first time i get excited when i learn stuff sorry mm -hmm. but um it, I'm getting excited because this is a rule that is designed against you. Kind of like compound interest with credit cards is working against you. Like they're literally telling you, don't worry. If you pay it before this date, we won't charge you a fee and right. you're good to go. Right. But on the back end, they're like giving you the finger because they know like, yeah, well, if you pay by this day, you're good. Except when you're trying to borrow some money. Right. Except when I'm trying to do your credit score. Like in that case, it doesn't work out in your favor. That's and shady, it's, it's, but it's all about data and selling data. Of course. You know, so that that's how the bureaus make money. You know, multi-billion dollar for-profit companies. Yes. All right. So they sell information to credit card issuers and we get solicited and it's all based on our profile. But it's our score, right? Like if you're in school and you're trying to get an A on a test, you're going to do everything you can. If you answer all the questions correctly, right? But then that that uh, there's like, I don't know, a little wording on there that says, yeah, but switch the last two answers or mm -hmm. only answer the even numbers. And mm -hmm. now you fail the test because you because you didn't know that rule right. existed. And instead right. of putting the you know information at the very beginning of the test, it's at the bottom somewhere right. hidden away. Yep. Like. It's there. The fine print's there. You just didn't read it. That's your fault. Yeah. That's why I, uh, the hardest thing is for people to actually call us because there's a lot of, you know, people, it's not a pleasant phone call to make. And, but I just, that's why I don't expect people to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. I really don't. How the heck would you know something like that? No, you wouldn't. You just wouldn't, you know, I don't care unless somebody specifically studies this every single day, they wouldn't know certain things like that, that could really affect them tremendously in a negative way. Absolutely. I mean that that little piece of information right there is worth everything. I'm just gonna make it's gonna right. make the big difference when I talk about but, it in class. But going back to your very popular question about the the percentage of your mm -hmm. of your revolving accounts, you know, a lot of people ask, oh, fifty percent 
because you you read these articles on Yahoo Finance and all this stuff, and yeah. you know, and they just don't know what they're talking about. And even some of these really famous people, they're obviously making millions and very smart at what they do, but when it comes to credit, they don't really understand. And again, I don't even expect them to understand because it's not what they study. Um, Fifty percent revolving, so you know, thousand dollar limit balance of five hundred bucks. You're utilized fifty percent. You know, it's better than a hundred percent. Yeah. But your FICO is still going to get you for it. So then a lot of people ask about 30%. That seems to be the popular one is 30%. So, mm-hmm. so your debt, you, debt utilization ratio at 30% or less. Again, that's better than 50% and 100%. But it's really 9% and less. Really? 9% and less is where there's no impact in a negative way. So that's why what I personally do... People always ask, what do, I, yeah, what do yeah. I do? What do you do? I don't have a whole bunch of credit cards. I just have high limits. Because if I go out and I want to buy this new TV at Best Buy and I'm going to drop a crazy amount of money, I don't have to worry about being maxed out. Or paid off two weeks prior to your billing date. Yeah. So a lot of, there's a lot of fun things you could do. Charge everything, get the, get the points and all that stuff. And sometimes I literally will go on bill pay <laughs> while I'm at the store and paying and it. Pay it off. So I don't forget. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's really 9% or less. That's good. See, I mean, I'm telling you that, that could be, if, if you have perfect credit and you have a 750 score and you only have one credit card with a thousand dollar limit and you're at $700. Now you're hit. You're going to be at 690, you know, and that's a different category and you go buy that car and guess what? Yeah. That's a couple points. 17% interest. Easy. Happens all the time all the time and people don't know dealers don't know that's so man so what i do is this here's a good rule of thumb what i do personally okay whenever i know that a bank is going to pull my credit report 45 days in advance i make sure i pay off all my credit cards and it's it's really 30 days i just give myself a cushion but the reason why is because it takes 30 days for our report to get updated to show a zero balance because every creditor reports once a month and it's funny, I started a spreadsheet, but I didn't finish it of what what that upload date is for every creditor, but I, I didn't I didn't finish it. So a rule of thumb is 30 days, because we know at some point in time, if I pay off my credit card in full today, at some point in time in the next 30 days, it could be next week, it be, could be tomorrow, or it could be three and a half weeks, it's gonna get updated. So if I'm gonna go buy a car, and I'm gonna buy you know next month, right now I'm paying off my credit card so that when the dealer pulls the report, it's going to show zeros. My score will be as high as possible. I get 0% and all that, all Dude, that fun stuff. I mean, to me, those those little tidbits right there, there are three things that I pulled out of this conversation that I get to share with my students that I'll share with pretty much anybody on a regular basis. 9% or less on a balance. Mortgage planning requires 45 days before you even think about buying a place right? because you're going to have to pay off some debts. And then the uh, paying off your your debts two weeks prior to your bill to your due date, mm-hmm. those are like, I mean, simple things really, right? To do, which but make a huge difference in your score and your ability to borrow, and then your the rate you end up getting. I mean, you see people all the time. Well, I, I mean, I do because they're on my feed. They're like, oh, I just closed the loan at three point seven five APR. I was like, dude, that's amazing, right? That took planning. Right. That took that little bit of effort 
that took that credit score to get to a certain level so that your credit report looks amazing right before you lock in the rate, right before you go into underwriting. That's right. That's, but, but, and there are things that you can do ahead of time. I love that. You know, which really leads to question number 17, super important. Super, super important. FICO versus FACO? Yep. Oh boy, this one this one really bothers me. <laughs> really, really quickly here, um, some comments from uh, Kathy De Rosario, um, pretty much agreeing with what you're saying with uh, revolving the account. She said to build your credit, you have to revolve your account. Your account it shows you know how to manage your account. However, don't max out your credit cards. You should keep it no more than thirty percent or nine percent of your available credit. If you're overextended on credit, you won't get a loan, or your rate will be higher. Also, Andy Cruz says hi. Andy, what's going on? <laughs> so, so that's a perfect example. She mentioned thirty percent. That's very common, but it's not thirty percent. It's nine percent or less. That's that's the and and but these are things that like we've heard over and over. Yeah. I have a textbook that I use for the kids, and it literally says in there thirty percent in a textbook. I will let me throw this name out there. Um, his this is the only individual I myself would ever trust when it comes to credit. It's a good guy. Um, he taught me a, almost all of this stuff. His name is John Altsheimer. U L H Heimer. Yeah. Uh, he's he's pretty much, I guess you could say, like the celebrity in my industry. You know, he's always on TV. Really nice guy. He's based out of Atlanta. Uh, he's the top credit expert in in the whole country. Good guy. Um, so I always say, and it doesn't matter to me. I mean, as long as I, if somebody doesn't want to call me, that's fine. At least I can point them in a, in a direction of somebody actually knows what they're talking about. So, you know, if you want to watch John Oldtimer, he's he's somebody that knows what he's talking about. So I just want to throw that little little tidbit. Yeah. And, but again, it's it's one of those things like what you where we're going, FICO versus FACO. Mm -hmm. Right. This is one of those things where if you hear it over and over again, doesn't necessarily make it true. That's right? true. That's it's true. a repeated trend, repeated things, you know, like pay your bills on time. Okay, but how far on time, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just because you say it over and over again doesn't make it 100% true. And 30%, like you said, it's better than 100%. But for it to not affect you, you got to keep it under nine. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about credit scoring. This is the biggest misconception out there especially since Credit Karma came out of nowhere a few years ago. Now everybody has a Credit Karma account. Everybody knows about them. Um, what people don't realize is that the, the term credit score is very vague. Credit score means a lot of things. All right. There's different brands that are credit scores. So um, it's like saying, can you pass me a Kleenex or can you Xerox this? Those are brands. Mm -hmm. So FICO, Fair Isaac Company, they they're the they're the big player and they are a brand so what happens is that you have transient experience equifax they upload their data through fico's algorithm spits out a score and then that's what we're judged on is, is that score so fico is they're, they're the big player in town that's who all the banks use to 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 rate our our interest rates on so credit karma uses what's called vantage score okay completely different from FICO. Hmm. So if somebody wants to, let's say, purchase a home and they say, well, I logged into Credit Karma, I have a 750 score. I'm like, wow, see, this is a thing. <laughs> you have a 750 score, Vantage score. However, in the world of financing and banking, they don't use Vantage score, they use FICO. Interesting. So it's, it's, gonna be, it's going to be different. 
So, so let me tell you my love-hate relationship with Credit Karma. I love the fact that it's free. Okay, can't complain with that. I love the fact that they send us email alerts. I think that's extremely valuable. I have an account with them personally just for that reason. Um, just ignore the score itself. Hmm. So if you, I use LifeLock. You know, I have my issues with LifeLock, but it's fine. It's fine. Whatever, whatever, you know. For the same reason, just the credit monitoring. Yeah, yeah. So, so I have Credit Karma. I also just have Experian.com. So, so now that we know how different that is, now let's talk about FICO. All right. Within FICO, if you go to um, Experian.com, there's now a lot of websites that offer an actual FICO score. And this is kind of funny and sad at the same time. But I remember where I was when I saw an Experian commercial that was specific to saying FICO score. They went from saying credit score to FICO score. I was like, whoa, that's a big deal. I know for everybody else just went over their yeah, heads. It's all the for same me, thing that for was a big else. deal. I started getting a few phone calls. I had to look into it. And they do, along with a lot of other companies now, offer the most recent version of FICO. Okay, so FICO 09 is the most recent version. Uh, FICO 08 is still used a lot. Okay, however, in the world of mortgage financing, they are still on the old system. <laughs> so it's even different than that. So there's updated systems, but in the lending world, they use the older versions. Basically, so it's kind of like uh, Microsoft. We have Windows 10 mm -hmm. or whatever we're using now, but they're like on Windows XP. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, very misleading. So Credit Karma, I mean, hey, we're not paying for it. So you almost can't complain. Mm -hmm. It's just people need to know that, that that's Vantage Score. And when you go to the app and you click on your actual score, underneath it'll say Vantage Score 3.0. So they're telling you. It's not like they're being secretive. Mm -hmm. They're saying this is the scoring model we're using. It's just that fine print at the bottom exactly. that you don't read. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So what I always advise people to do is this. If you want to purchase a home, you need to have a lender pull your report. It has to be a mortgage lender. Because they're going to get the one that because actually... Because that's all that matters. Yeah. If somebody wants to buy a house, I tell them you have to... I, I mean, I could provide one of those reports as well, but um, that's all I care about. Because it's got, it has to be apples to apples. Yeah, it has to be. Well, it's the same type of thing when you're talking prices of homes. You can go on Zillow and see right. the Zestimate. That's right. But that's not necessarily the correct comp. That's, that's a great starting point. You get a general idea. Right. That's the credit karma in my world. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you have to go to a realtor, pull the comps the right way. It's, right. it's pull the information so that it, you get a more accurate number. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a big one. A lot of people ask me that all the time. Now, it, I mean, it's okay for account basic account information it'll show you if you have a collection or not you know yeah 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 so i mean it's it's not all that bad it's just you know it's it's um and it's i don't feel like they're trying to get over on us it's just people aren't aware that there's all these different scoring models and versions dude i'm, I'm telling you frank we could be talking about this all day like i get i get pumped on this stuff so like you know learning is my kryptonite like if you teach me something, you've got me all day. Like yeah. I'll sit there and learn it all day. Like I always call it like the matrix. Just plug it in, dude. Just feed it to me. Give me all the information yeah. I can possibly take. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I, 
it was very informative for me. Frank, thanks for being on the show. Really, thanks really appreciate me. it. You got it. Um, I got to make sure we cover our promos. 365 pairs of shoes by the end of the year. So if you got new shoes, used shoes, or you want to donate cash, hit James up, 619-884-0045 or james at csfirst.com. And then dronequote.net, ladies and gentlemen. I just recorded the first track, the lay down of the first uh, layer of audio. I mean, you guys have no idea how that works. But for our parody for uh, Drone Quote. So if you guys are thinking about doing solar, Go to dronecode.net forward slash business bros. They'll bring a drone to your house. The drone will come measure your rooftop, send the measurements out to roofing contractor companies, to solar companies, and then you sit back, look at all the quotes, and decide which one's the best for you. No more sitting through long presentations. No more dealing with salespeople that come to your door. Let's let the solar companies and the roofing companies fight for your business. Go to dronecode.net forward slash business bros. All right, Frank, real quick, ask the bros. What questions do you have for you gave us so much information? I don't even know if like I'm kinda kinda be embarrassed if I want to answer a question. I gotta bring you some value somehow, some way. <laughs> so a- ask you what? Anything you like. Personal business. What do you want to know about the bros? Hmm. How personal can I get no, I'm just <laughs> You know, I mean nothing in particular. I mean, I you know, heard about you guys. I you know, think what you have going on is great, connecting people. I think I think that's amazing. Yeah, but nothing nothing you know personal. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, maybe, cool. maybe when the cameras are off, I'll, get, I'll ask you the right, real right. questions. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay. With that. I just got to give you the opportunity. <laughs> no, man. Hey, again, thank you for being on the Actually, show. Actually, I do have a question. Oh, yeah? What's going on with the hairstyles here? Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. He who, got the good jeans. Who's you? Who uses product and who doesn't? <laughs> he uses. He, I guess. I guess my product is Dollar Shave Club. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so he got the good jeans. I got the ones that run away from the back. <laughs> it's all right. You got the taller jeans. I did. I there did. you go. So you go. I I grew a little bit bigger. He kept the hair. Oh, it's, a, it's, funny. it's the way it works for us. That's an excellent <laughs> question, by the way. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. All right, ladies and gents, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys learned something. Uh, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye bye. And we're out. Stay positive. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.